All right, Luke chapter 8. We're going to be reading 19 chapters this morning, so I hope you... I'm just kidding. We just come out of Daniel and read, we read a ton of Bible through the book of Daniel, and we're proud of that. So this morning, we're going to give you a little bit of, a, of slack this morning. We're just going to be reading the first three verses of Luke chapter 8. But that is a wasp on the pulpit. Jason, I'm about to save your life with the word of God. Yes. He's dead. Yes. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. Yes. yes. All right. When you get to Luke chapter 8, say, he is the center of it all. He is the center of it all. Follow along. Please have your eyes on scripture. Upon the conclusion of the reading of the text, I will say this is the word of the Lord, and you can respond with? Thanks be to God. Awesome. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tyler, thank you for saving my life, man. That's incredible. Hey, we're glad that you're here today. So check it out. Here's what we wanted to do. Um, We wanted to take some time and create some space today to um, honor not only mothers, but women in general. And um, let me begin with maybe a way of an illustration that will be helpful for this. So sort of the nighttime routine, if everything goes well in our household as we do bath times, everything like that, eat dinner, and then we try to read a little bit before bed. We've walked through the Jesus Storybook Bible. This doesn't always go well in our house because sometimes sword fights and things like that and Nerf gun wars and basketballs take precedence, but um, we just got some new books in for the kids, and they look like this. Um, it's, I, I highly recommend these for you as parents who um, are trying to figure out a way, how can I have some time about Jesus with my kids and stuff. And so it's uh, the ABCs of the Reformation, the ABCs of church history. And so each letter sort of corresponds with someone in church history that's really fun. S is for Spurgeon. You know what I mean? And so it's a lot of fun and it's a great time. And the kids were excited about it. We told them, hey, we ordered you some new books. We're going to be reading some new books. And so we get up in the chair. We're getting ready. We're looking at the cover. Oh, cool. And, you know, Roman's excited to hear about all of these guys, John Knox, who preached with a sword and all of this stuff. And and Andy Grace asked a very profound question. If you know anything about Andy Grace, she is our second born and she is everything girl. She is makeup, dresses, and the whole thing. And Andy Grace said, Daddy, where are the girls with their pretty dresses? And I said, oh, baby, look, they're right here. And so we learned about some of the women who were influential in church history. But as I put her in bed that night, I thought that that was a very interesting thing that Andy Grace said. Because when it comes to her being a little girl and this idea of Jesus, Andy Grace wanted to know about where are the other girls? Where, where are the women? And so here's what I want to do. I want to do two things today. Number one, Mother's Day is not on the church calendar, just like Father's Day. It's not a feast day. It's not anything like that. Quite frankly, it's a Hallmark Day, right? Sell some cards, you know what I'm saying? Flower shops love some Mother's Day, you know what I mean? And I've been in the game long enough to know this. Mother's Day is actually more difficult than it is celebratory. Because last, last year, Mama was here, and Mama's not here this year. Or the mother guilt washes over you. Or the idea that maybe you couldn't have children, and so now today you feel a little bit inferior. And then secondly, quite honestly, the church has done a very poor job of honoring women. 
And so on behalf of evangelicalism and church as a whole, I apologize on that behalf because my four-year-old daughter answered a question that, quite frankly, the church has not done a good job of answering. And it's, where, where are the women at? You are in a church that if it wasn't for faithful women for about a decade, um, it would have closed its doors. But because of faithful women who put the church on their back and because of passive men who weren't around, I'm not going to preach angry today, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I promise. Right? No, there were great faithful men over that time. But quite frankly, I, I even ran into that when I looked at this text, and I love this text. It's, it's three verses. And it talks about the women who followed Jesus. And listen, you cannot talk about, you cannot talk about the historicity of Christianity without the influence of women. Because what we find out is some of the only people that were there at the cross were women. And do you know, besides an angel who was at the empty tomb, do you know who actually went back and preached the gospel to men? Before Peter ever stands up at Pentecost and preaches the very first Christian sermon about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the women who went to the garden to check on Jesus' body were met with an angel. And the women went back and told the men, you know where the men were? They were in an upper room really scared with the door locked. I'm just saying, guys, after Genesis 3, it hasn't gone well for us. You know what I'm saying? And the women go back and tell the disciples he is risen. And just like men, they didn't believe. (laughs) They didn't believe. And so you cannot look at the history and the impact of Christianity apart from the influence of women. And when I studied these verses and, and was looking at commentators and everything like that, you would not be amazed at the idea of how many of them skipped over, how many of them didn't even talk about the influence of these verses. And what we see in these three verses is a deeper, closer look at the people that followed Jesus. But this is how important this is. We're in Luke's gospel. There's four gospels. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, don't know anything about the Bible. And basically the gospels are like biographies of Jesus' life. Luke is writing to people who are non-Jewish and quite frankly, people who are non-believers. People who are peeking over the fence at this idea of who is Jesus and what is this about. And Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. And so Luke is very detailed throughout his biography of Jesus Christ. And Luke gives us just a snapshot and a window into the community of people that follow Jesus Christ. And so I just want to take some time to pull out of these three verses just some application and some principles. And then at the end, we've got a little bit of surprise for you. And we'll do a little bit of a Q&A in regards to some practicality as to what this looks like. But as I look at these verses, this is the first thing that I see, right? The first thing that I see is this. Every woman has their own story. Every woman has their own story. So it's, it's pretty important when the Bible mentions like a location, you know, like Jerusalem. I don't know, probably a big deal, right? You know, Golgotha, where Jesus died. That's probably important. Bethlehem, maybe where he was born. So anytime, like, like, like here's how easy it is to study your Bible. When the Bible mentions something important, underline it. It's pretty profound, right? Right? I get paid to do this. You know what I'm saying? Right? But here's what's even more important. When the Bible mentions a name, 
Like when it mentions someone's name, that's really important because you got to understand this. So people are always like, oh, the Bible, you can't trust the Bible, right? And so they watch this YouTube video, five-minute YouTube video of a guy living in his mom's basement who's like, this is how the Bible isn't real, right? You know what I'm saying? But in reality, when, a, when in the Gospels particularly it mentions someone's name, that's like citing someone in a college paper. Here's what I mean by that. When your name goes down on something like this, and then through the oral tradition, it was told that you follow Jesus. Guess what the next step is? To come find you and ask you questions about what it was like to follow Jesus. So Luke thought it was so important to acknowledge women that he wrote down some of the women's names that followed Jesus. And so if we look at it, this is really, really fun, really. And we can't understand this until we look at this. So it says, and there were 12 who were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Well, who were some of these women, Luke? Well, first one, Mary called Magdalene. Now, a lot of people get Mary Magdalene confused. Mary was a common name back in that day. So a lot of people think that she's associated with the woman back in Luke chapter 7 who was a woman of the night, right? So if you want any questions as to what that means, ask Pastor Tyler out front, you know what I mean, right? A prostitute, right? But this is not that Mary. This is a different Mary Magdalene. But Luke gives us some details, right? Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out, right? On blast, right? I mean, Luke put her on blast, man. Mary Magdalene who had seven demons. So what a lot of scholars and theologians think that This was a woman who was definitely very troubled, probably homeless because of the torment that she went through in her life, and very, very poor and outcasted from society. So that's one woman. The next, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. Listen, this is a blast. This is why I love the Bible, okay? So this woman was married to a guy who was in Herod's household. You remember Herod, right? Herod's the enemy in Luke's gospel. Herod is the guy who works for the Roman Empire who had John the Baptist killed and had his head cut off, right? Herod is the bad guy. And this woman, Joanna, is the household manager. So here's what this means. She was the money. She dealt with all the money. So listen, here's just a snapshot of the women who follow Jesus. Number one, demon-possessed woman. Check, we got her on the list. Number two, desperate housewife of Rome. Got her on the list too. (laughs) You know how wealthy this woman would have been? I mean, this woman was drinking mimosas at 9 a.m. You know what I mean? It's okay, don't get nervous. It's all right, okay? But what I'm saying is completely different. Completely different background. And then the next woman, Susanna. We, we don't know much about her. She's not mentioned anymore in the Gospels. But what her name means is lilies. So let's follow the list again, right? Demon-possessed woman, got her, check, right? Desperate housewife of Rome, check, we got her. And then a flower child, right? We got her in there as well. And then... Many others. Many others. So we have different women 
from different backgrounds with different stories who are following Jesus. Why is this important to take time and look at? Here's why I think it's important. Because I bet you none of these women came to know Jesus and follow Jesus the same way. None of them. So you have one woman who was like, you know, the big testimony in church that everybody claps for, right? I was healed of seven demons. Woo, praise the Lord, right? All that good stuff. Then you have a wealthy woman who probably never struggled in life, born with a silver spoon in her hand. But she came to know the weight and gravity of her sin, just like Mary Magdalene's. And she came to know the secret and the answer to her salvation which is wrapped up in the mystery of this person, Jesus Christ. And then Luke thought it was so important to mention Susanna's name as well. Why is this important? Because I think when it comes to an age of 2018, and especially for you as women, let's take maybe just the idea of social media, for example, right? So we look at other people's lives, and we judge people by a filtered, edited snapshot photo and we sit back and go my kids aren't like that my family isn't like this and let's be honest bro you didn't see the 28 other photos that it took to get that one photo you know what I mean and when it comes to Pinterest and when it comes to YouTube and when it comes to all of this your life is supposed to look like this because this is what a godly woman's life looks like well the Bible shatters this notion just in three simple verses right here. Because all of these women come from different backgrounds. All of these women have different ideas of what this looks like, but yet they're still following Jesus. And you know what I bet they struggled with? I bet they struggled with the same thing that you as women struggle with today. Because let's be honest, girls are mean, right? You know what I'm saying, right? And here's what I mean by that, right? Guys, it doesn't run deep with us. Women, it runs forever with you, right? They even created a movie called Mean Girls about that, you know? But I bet you when they were following and when Mary Magdalene looked at Joanna and thought, well, she hasn't had to go through what, what I've gone through. And I bet people look at her differently and, and I could never go and serve and, and do things like she does. And then there's Susanna, and she's just picking flowers all the time. We don't even know what she's doing, right? Here's what I mean by this. Comparing your story to other people's stories will never bring contentment in your life. It never will. So if you're judging people through Facebook and through Instagram and through this life and her husband gets to work here and this is that, I don't have children, but she has children. Well, she's a stay-at-home mom. Well, she's a full-time. You know, all, I mean, all of this stuff, when you're comparing and trying to find your way out of this and that and doing all of that, listen, comparison is the enemy of contentment. Jesus is writing your story. Not anyone else's. Focus on the story that Jesus is writing for your life. And listen, this is something that I found profound this week. That God has never made a mistake. You know what God has never said? Uh Uh-oh. Never. So whatever you've gone through in your life, whatever trials, whatever suffering you have faced in womanhood, listen to me, it is not for a waste. 
It is not for a waste because God is writing your story in real time, in real space, right now through your events, through your crazy schedule, through the hectic time in your life, through the season of empty nesters, through all of this stuff. God is writing your story. So I would challenge you, focus on on your story, not on other people's story. Because what I see from the text is that every woman has their own story. But the second thing that we see is this, and I don't want to be redundant, but all of the women followed Jesus. You're like, wow, really? I know, right? It's profound. It's right there in the text. Well, what's profound about this is at the end of verse 1, it says that Jesus, so here's what Jesus is doing. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, and then verse 2, and some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. The phrase that with him, that Luke includes the women and the 12 disciples that were with them together, the phrase with him in the original language actually means beside him. It means that they were beside him. It's actually a present tense in the language, meaning that they were continually and constantly with Jesus. And when we trace them through the Gospel of Luke, we see where they followed him too. Number one, they followed him in his ministry. So while Jesus was serving and walking around from different towns, the women were beside him. But then we see that they follow him to the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 19. We see that actually John, what's recorded in the Gospels, is the only male disciple that actually follows Jesus to Calvary and Golgotha. It's actually so important that the women follow Jesus to the cross is that Jesus speaks to the women. Listen, oh, this is why some of you came. Are you ready for this? Jesus speaks to the women while he is being crucified on the cross. He speaks to his mother and he speaks to the people that are there. So they follow him to the cross, but then they also follow him to the tomb as well. For they cared for him so much. And then we see later on, Luke also writes the gospel of Acts and that they follow Jesus to church. That they were influential in the beginning stages. Why is this important? Why am I taking time to follow this? Do you see the ups and downs in the valleys of what it looked like to follow Jesus? So in his ministry, this is awesome, right? I mean, he's feeding 5,000 people with a Lunchable. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? He's raising dead people to life. He's healing people. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Those are good times. That's great. Uh-oh, here comes a cross. Uh-oh, here comes a tomb. So there were ups and there were downs. But yet the women were still beside him. Ladies, listen. Please take heart because your life of following Jesus will go through seasons and it will go through valleys and it will go through mountaintops. But I think there's more application that we can draw from this. And the first one is this. They follow Jesus, not their version of Jesus. Do you understand what I mean by that? They followed Christ as he walked 
and as he taught, they never would have imagined that they would have been there at Golgotha with their knees bowed in the sand and the man who claimed to be God was dying in front of their very eyes. They had given their life to this. They had risked their careers. They had risked their families. They had risked their friends. And there, all of their dreams were dying. It wasn't just their version of Jesus. It was the Jesus. And listen, I am very weary of your version of Jesus that never challenges you. I am very weary of a Jesus who you always use as a get-out-of-service-free card, right? The God-told-me card. Love that one. That's great, right? Christians have a great... They don't know how to say no, right? Let me pray about it, right? Or this idea of Jesus will never lead me through a dry season. Or a Jesus that will never challenge me and lead me through a heartache. See, what Jesus is constantly doing with us when we follow him and are beside him is that he's constantly shattering the image that we try to create of him. That's what he did all through the Gospels. The disciples never understood it. Everybody's constantly trying to put him into a box and Jesus is going, that's not who I am. So a challenge to you today is, are you following the Jesus of the scriptures or are you following a Jesus that you've cut, copied, and pasted from the scriptures? Because there's a profound difference. And the second thing is this, being with Jesus comes before doing for Jesus. If there's anything that I've learned just through the influence of my wife and just being a pastor, is the amount of doing and completion and tasks and responsibilities that womanhood gives you. And it's never enough, and there's never rest, and while there's rest, your mind is still wondering about the things that have to happen after the rest, which then infringes upon the rest. But do you notice what Luke tells us? Some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, now drop down to verse 3, who provided for them, actually him, meaning Jesus, out of their means. Do you see the order that this comes in? Massively important in the text. They don't provide and serve for Jesus, then are healed. They are healed and they are with Jesus and then they serve Jesus. There's been a quote that I've used for the past couple of weeks that God has just etched and sketched on my heart, and it's this. Do you want to be more Christ-like? Then stop focusing on being like Jesus and start focusing on being with Jesus. His attributes must be caught before they can be imitated. Do you understand the profound impact of that? That's, that's the good news of the gospel, And listen, I have the same message if it's Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, 4th of July, or the sermon series through Daniel. And it's this. God does not love you based upon your performance. God loves you based upon Christ's performance. And listen, the gospel is not just forgiveness. 
It's not just that he has washed your sins away, right? We're going to sing a song about that in just a, in just a minute. It's not just that he has erased your past. It's not just forgiveness. It's also reward. It's also that now you are forgiven of your shortcomings, but now you also get what Christ gets, that you are now seated with him in the heavenly places. And that, listen, mothers, women, please, please listen to this, that when God looks at you, he sees you in Christ. So listen, another pastor says it this way. Women, look up here. Please don't miss this. God doesn't love some future version of you. That's not why he loves you. God doesn't love you when you get the balance out all with the kids. And God doesn't love you because maybe one day you'll, quote, have kids. God doesn't love you because of any of those future things. God loves you as you are in Christ. And listen, to be a woman who follows Jesus, you have to be okay with failure. And here's why. The gospel is called good news. And do you know why it's good? Because it tells you this. You failed. We're real positive at Mother's Day here at Westside. Congratulations. You're a failure. Happy Mother's Day. But the good news is that Christ has come and he's picked up your failures. And all the broken pieces he uses to make gospel masterpieces. Can you rest and be satisfied in that? The idea that it's being with Jesus that produces the doing for Jesus. But then the last thing that I see in the text is this. Any woman can serve Jesus. Any woman. Mary Magdalene healed of seven demons. That's incredible. A rich lady who is in the enemy's house. And how cool is this? Herod tried to stop Jesus' ministry, but somehow through the gospel and through the Holy Spirit, God got a hold of this woman's heart. And all scholars agree that this woman was probably using some of Herod's money to fund Jesus' ministry. That's like Godfather Michael Corleone stuff, man, right? Trying to stomp out the ministry, but you're still getting money and stuff like that. How incredible is that? But look at the last verse. And many others... Can I just pause here too? This is good. This just came. This is for free. None of them followed Jesus alone. And many others. Ladies, you don't wear a cape. You don't do this alone. No one does it alone. And it was many others that they lived life in community together. And that we see through the rest of the scriptures that they are together. That they are doing this together. Listen, I know that it, doesn't, it feels like going against the grain to be vulnerable with someone else. Because someone else might know your weaknesses. But guess what? They have weaknesses too. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And listen to me. You will never experience the power and the strength of God until you are vulnerable with the people of God. When you sit across from a table with another woman and you say, I am failing and I cannot do this alone, watch the power of God move into your life. For it is pride that is a barrier to the grace of God. That it was many other women who followed Jesus. But then they provided for him out of their means. Why did Luke say that? Out of their means, what did they have? Well, they had many different things. 
Mary Magdalene probably could not contribute financially, right? Joanna had to take over for that. But Mary probably had time, time to care and to minister and to be there. And then I don't know what Susanna did. She probably made cool lily head bracelets or something like that. We don't know, right? But here's what's profound. Listen, God uses what you have. So when it comes to following Jesus, we have to shatter this idea. I'll be able to win blank. Fill it in. When the soccer season's over, when the job winds down, when it's this, when it's that, when it's, you know, when the kids get through this, when it's all of this, when I can get over this hurt and and all of that. No. The time is now that God uses what you have. And listen, this goes all the way back to the first point. When you're comparing your story to other people's story, you you will think what you have is inferior to what other people have. But the reality is, is God uses ordinary things to accomplish extraordinary things throughout his kingdom. So, so yes, if there's 30 minutes in the day, that's profound. God can use that. Changing diapers. Praise God for the gospel. God can use that. Being in a season in your life where the house is a lot more quiet than it used to be and the kids aren't around anymore. God can use that. God uses what you have. And listen, everyone has something. Everyone has something. Through time, talents, and treasure, you matter. So if there's anything that I can say to encourage the women in this place today, it is this, that you matter. That you matter so much that you are mentioned in these Gospels. Not only mentioned, but that your ministry is massively important as well. But you notice that they contributed out of their means. That's sacrifice. There's sacrifice there. But I couldn't get over as I closed, and then we're going to do something in just a minute. It's this, that they were healed before they did anything else. That it was their love for Jesus that motivated their service for Jesus. So if there's anything that I could tell you today, it is this. To be a woman who leads for Jesus, you first have to be a woman who follows him. And sometimes just sitting at his feet can be the most productive thing that you can do out of your entire day. Out of your entire day. To be a woman who leads for Jesus you have to be a woman who first follows him. As I was thinking and praying about how to do application for this, I thought, how dumb am I sometimes that like on Mother's Day and on this idea of womanhood that I should preach as if I know what it's about. You know what I mean? So um, I want to call my wife, Courtney, up, who is the best mom that I know. And um, we don't do this to shine a spotlight on us to say, hey, we've got this figured out. By no means at all, all we are willing to say is is that we're willing for our life to be an open book. And so I wanted to call her up and just ask her a few questions of application as to what this looks like. Um, I left the house this morning about 6 o'clock, and so she got to get three kids ready and come up here um, by herself on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day. So, um, babe, we've been married almost 10 years. 
three kids, um, many ups and downs, and what has walking with Jesus looked like um, for you through the seasons? Yeah, um, you know, 10 years is a long time, but um, I've grown up a lot in that time, so I'm not the young little girl that I was when we first got married. Um, for me, my relationship has become a lot more personal with Jesus. You know, in the beginning, it was just what I did because that's what you did. You know, I grew up in church, and so that's where I was. But as I get older and as I realize that marriage is difficult, that kids are stressful, that, um, you know, friendship is work, you know, jobs. I know some of you got, you know, there's things in the world's broken. And so as I get older, I see the need that I have for Jesus even more. And so it's not a, oh, I want to, it's that I have to have him in my life. And so it's just become, he's become sweeter to me because I need him daily. That's good. Well, I I know you get this question a lot. I I get it sometimes as well. How do you balance it? Like motherhood, when it comes to all of that, and then following Jesus and becoming sweeter, how does that How do you balance it, the quiet times and all of that stuff? Yeah. Um, Especially on overwhelming days, I start out each day just asking God to direct my day. I need him to guide what that time looks like. Um, Practically for me, you know, I stay home, but those days at home are just one or two days a week. And so on those days that I'm home, I have to block out my time. I have a schedule. I I get housework done in the morning. I hang out with the kids. And then during nap time, I have Andy Grace sitting beside me on the couch eating Nutella. <laughs> and I have that, you know, hour and a half, you know, in my Bible. And that's not every day. That's maybe two days a week. But those other days, it doesn't look perfect like that. It's when I can find time. Um, I follow a great lady online, and she writes prayer journals. And a practical tip she gave was when you're doing laundry, when you're folding laundry for your kids, pray for their bodies. When you're packing, when I'm packing Roman's lunch, you know, I'm praying for his day. I'm praying for his friends that he's making. There are times you can do it all. It's all a mission. You know, loving Jason, um, taking care of the kids, being a good friend, all of those things. It's all a mission. And so it doesn't have to look great. It can all be worship. You can just That's good. Do yeah. It. Even redeeming social media time. Sometimes I see you share John Piper stuff and things like that to redeem that time. That's good. Now let's transition like, you know, First and Second Timothy and Titus speak to younger women and older women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're getting semi-older, I guess. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, oh. um, uh, and so what would you say to younger women, not, just not moms, but just women in general, what would you say to younger women as an encouragement on a day like today? Yeah, um, I'm going to change it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, good. I know See it how young, this works out? This younger women coming first, but first I'm going to talk to the older ladies. Okay. Um, I want to tell you guys to not waste your journey. Um, I know that I have friends and we sit around the table and we talk about how we need you guys. We need to hear the truth and wisdom that's only come through experiences that you guys have walked through. We need, you know, he said, Titus lays it out. We need those older women to train the younger women. We need that from you guys. And some of you might be out there saying, well, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I can't share my story. You don't know what I've been through. But that's the best stories. We need to see how God's redeemed those mistakes, how you've learned from those things. We need those things because sometimes that's an even better story than a perfect story to say, hey, this is the journey I walked, but this is what you need to do. And um, it's so important. 
And also, whenever I know that I'm loved and poured into by other people, I want to go and do that for others. And so you're starting a legacy, and that legacy can start in your family, but it doesn't have to just be there. It can be with all of these women in the church, and we need that from you guys. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, statistically for us in our generation, it's about 50% um, get divorced. That's just the facts across the board for us. And so you grandparents who are a part of a you know, baby boomer generation and the generation before that, our generation will see significantly less 50-year-old marriages. That's just a fact of life. Like, that doesn't exist in our generation. And so we have got to know what that's like for these women and for these men to know what it is to love that person and that family for 30, 40, 50 years. You know what I mean? I mean, the government should give out an award for something like that. You know what I mean? So absolutely. So, so now transition to what would you say to younger women? Yeah. Um, even though I'm talking to the younger women, there's still somebody that's younger than you. Um, as I grew up, I had, you know, mom, grandmas, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, but I even had friends. And I have a friend that specifically goes here, and we're still friends today. She was only two years older than me in school. But throughout the fun times we had in high school, she still spoke to me that Jesus was the most important and that no matter what happened and no matter what party you went to or what fun you had, that at the end of the day, Jesus is still all you had. And so it didn't take somebody super old. I mean, it took a friend that was two years older than me walking through life together in high school. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> I love it. Um, second... Ask for help. I mean, I know that that's what my friends and I have had to do. There are times when we need help. We, and it might not be older women. It might be each other. But I've had to ask for help. And so whether you're in high school, a college girl, a new mom, like, it's okay to not have it all together. And there's probably some of you that walk in here and see women, and you're like, oh, man, they've got it all together. Or, oh, gosh, I'll never be like them. Look at their family. But the truth is, probably if you would go up and talk to that woman, she doesn't have it all together either. And it's not what it looks like, and it's not how it seems. And so instead of isolating yourself and pulling yourself away, I would challenge you to dive into those friends, reach out to them, don't just stand on the sidelines, but get to know those women, because the truth is they're probably going through the exact same thing as you. Um, There's a C.S. Lewis quote that my friends and I pass around back and forth to each other, but it says that, Um, friendship is saying, oh, me too. And so they're all probably feeling the same way that you are. And they're all probably a mess just like you, because I know that I am. And so don't let those facades and those fake realities fool you. Yeah. I think in, in the text, they were healed of their infirmities because they came to Jesus and they asked for it. And so you have got to ask and you have got to reach out. Nobody knows what you need until you tell someone what you need. And then when that happens, that changes the game. The band's going to come up and lead us in a time of response. But I would love for Courtney to pray for for the women uh, today as we close out and leave encouraged today. To be a woman who leads for Jesus is first to be a woman who follows him. So pray for him, babe. Jesus, we just thank you for this day. Um, God, I thank you for the time to celebrate these women Um, all these women in here just have a special story and God just let them know that they are loved and they are important Um, God I pray that you give them a desire to know you I pray that you would just become personal to them and to let them know that they need you help them to in the busyness of their lives to carve out time 
to find time to spend with you, God, because it's so important. God, I pray for the relationships that can form between these ladies in this room. God, um, you want us to be in community. And so, Lord, just break down those walls, break down those barriers, Lord. Um, Bring these women together, help them to love each other, and help them to know that we love each other because you've loved us. And we thank you for all these women, and we pray that you just give us a good day. Amen. Amen. Would you stay where you're at, come forward, and partake in communion today?